I'm Russ Boris, and this is 8-Track. Our guest today is a songwriter, producer, and wildly entertaining live performer who is responsible for the incredible albums Loner and Superstar, and our theme music. She's a hometown favorite at WFUV, who is now based in Austin. Happy to welcome Caroline Rose to 8-Track. Hello. Hello. Nice to see you. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, this is fun. This is the first uh, musical thing I've done in a while. So, Well, it is certainly a time where everybody's kind of rolling, adjusting, doing what you have to do. Um, you know, as I asked you to come up with uh, a theme of songs you wanted to play, yours is loosely songs that you discovered during quarantine and, and things that are kind of informing what you're doing, musically speaking, going forward. So um, have you done a lot of writing during the pandemic? <laughs> yeah, I've actually written a, a bunch of stuff. I'm working on a new album, but I, it's been really nice because I've just taken my time doing it. There's obviously no rush um, ever, really, but especially during the pandemic, it's just been an, a good time to reset, you know, try and find a silver lining and really immerse yourself in in any number of things really yeah i've been writing a bunch though i'm actually looking at i'm in my studio right now i have like a whole list of songs that i'm demoing out right now and a rather uh, neatly organized cable wall yeah my beautiful cable wall behind me <laughs> nice very nice all right so caroline let's get things started with your first song choice this is a band called the revolutionaries you want to talk a little bit about the inspiration on kunta kinte dub Well, I, I discovered this song. I've kind of gone into a dub and like Rude Boy and Ska deep dive because that has been like a, an area of music that I've just not really known very well. But I watched Steve McQueen. He has like a, it's like a series of short films, I guess, but it's sort of set in a show, but it's called Small Acts. And this was one of the songs that they played in it. The whole show takes place in London, um, and it kind of centers around the, all the West Indies communities, like the black communities in London during the 70s and 80s. And they would have these parties because they were kind of like left out of society, and so they'd have their own parties. And there's a scene where everyone freaks out when this song comes on. I was like, what is this sound? This is so good. And I read Roots, the Alex Haley book, a long time ago. And Kunta Kinte is obviously a main character of that book. But I really loved this song. And so that's kind of how I discovered it. And then from there, I've gone on like a very deep dive into dub and all sorts of Jamaican originating music. A lot of music that I find is either from friends recommending stuff, making playlists and good radio stations like yours. Nice plug. <laughs> um, and movies. I really find a lot of inspiration from movies. And I love Steve McQueen. I feel like I went to Jamaica with James Blake 
or something right there. There's just that would be cool to go to Jamaica with James Blake. I wouldn't be opposed. Yeah, well, I mean, it's sort of why I mentioned it. it, it there was a good connection. So, um, you know, what's kind of challenging about the everyday right now and not going about things the way you would normally, you know, go about them in terms of the road and live shows and whatnot? Oh, man. Um, wow. I, it really couldn't be more different. It's just so different. I have a lot more time to work on things other than music. Um, but I've also been able to use, work on music in a really different way. And this whole playlist obviously is all musical discoveries over the last year or revisiting old ones that I've... Because sometimes you hear old stuff and some time has passed and you later hear it and it's like a different experience altogether. And I've I've been having a lot of those and I think it's just because this time has been so transformative for me personally. I was not in a good place when the pandemic started. Um or even the months like leading up to it. Yeah, Superstar was really stressful and there's a bit of PTSD, I think, wrapped up in it. Um, making it and recording it, that that stuff is always the fun part to me, making it. But it's the putting the finishing touches on it, like the mixing process and mastering and all that. The stuff where you can really tinker with like the tiny little details over and over and over again, that's when I always lose my mind. And this was no exception. I definitely lost my mind. So it's like it's been like a complete reset and I'm kind of developing new techniques of dealing with things so that I don't burn out. Um, for instance, the stuff that I have been making, I've been putting it on for fun because I'm like, I don't want to burn out on this. And I've really been enjoying what I've done. I've done a couple of remixes and uh, sometimes I put them on for fun because I'm like, wow, I really like this. So (laughs) I don't know. I think it's also kind of a self-love thing too and a self-respect. I've been big on that. Well, I mean, there's, there's been enough time to explore a lot about what makes you happy and what doesn't. Um, So, you know, definitely seeing how you're lighting up, talking about what you're working on right now, which is pretty exciting. Uh, This is 8-Track. Caroline Rose is our guest, and we're going to play a two-song set in a moment. But I wanted to start out and ask the question, Caroline, and maybe you can explain, because I don't have the answer to this. Why is German synth pop not a bigger thing? Because this band, Gina X Performance, and no GDM, this is some pretty awesome stuff. I know. Well, it was so ahead of its time. This whole album, Nice Mover, is so good. It's so good. And Gina X, they were kind of like a genderqueer figure in a time when it really wasn't much of a thing at all. There was Patti Smith. But they were kind of at the same time, which was so mind-blowing to me. I guess, like, it was just the time... The zeitgeist was ripe for some kind of androgynous figures because there was Bowie too. You are perfect, you are if you are so not just Gina X in that band, by the way, but also Zeus B. Held. Is there a better stage name than Zeus B. Held? Yeah, that's great. I hope it's his real name. Yeah. <laughs> Really 
This song, it was like an homage to Quentin Crisp, who is kind of a polarizing figure in the queer community because he said some very questionable things. But I just really love that this was in like 1978 or 9, and this band was making music about being gay and being androgynous. And it's also so catchy. So it was huge in the queer clubs, but it never really made it to the mainstream, probably because it was queer. Now, this stuff is like a really fun discovery for a lot of people, myself included. And my bandmate actually found this album and was obsessed with it and was like, you need to listen to this. Yeah, this is a mind blow for sure. And I have since become obsessed with it because I mean, I'm a big Krautrock fan, and I love pop music, obviously, and it kind of combines a lot of my favorite things. It's 8-Track with Caroline Rose. Galt McDermott and Coffee Cold here on 8-Track. And, and Galt McDermott, who most would probably associate with musical hair. But that song has been sampled a bunch of times. Have you ever heard it? I think it's been done in a few different hip-hop songs. But have you heard Coffee Cold in a sample before? I'm sure I have. I actually listened to that. I started listening to it for the drums. Um, I actually have a whole playlist of drum sounds that I really love. And that's these recordings, like the drums sound so live. Bernard Purdy was the drummer in that band, but he is like the most sampled drummer maybe of all time, probably, that he's famous for the Purdy Shuffle. I, I don't know. I mean, he's such a monstrous player that I feel like he could make anything sound good. Uh, but I really love the way that they're recorded and played, and uh, I'm such a sucker for, like, cool-sounding jazz stuff. Kind of jazz, I guess. I don't know. Galt McDermott, he was kind of a renaissance man. He could do so many different things. No, I, I would agree with you. I think it kind of is. There, there were these collections that um, I came across in the 90s. They were all called like Legends of Acid Jazz. And it was the guys like Bernard Purdy and just Muhammad and, and all these just Houston person, these guys, ridiculous players. And they're all just sick, you know, and you could see how that they would just get sampled and looped and, and used forever because there's just so much to extract there. And just hearing how you're describing it, where you're just kind of honing in on bits and parts. I mean, how, how much does that affect what you do? When you go to create for yourself, is that always in the back of your mind? Like, I want to get that. Is it a striving thing? I mean, kind of, yeah. I think the vibe is everything. You know, like my last album, I definitely had something in mind that was not really like live sounding. I wanted it to be more of like sticky pop. 
because that's just where I was at when I was making it and what I wanted. But you know, the album I'm working on now, it like couldn't be more different. I just I'm kind of doing like a 180 from that, and I want to hear things that sound like really raw and live. And so I'm kind of messing around with different techniques of how I want to approach that. But yeah, I think that is it's so important. I mean, the sound of stuff is. It's like kind of everything, I mean, besides the actual song content. But the way things sound, I mean, it could make or break a song. Well, how much do you hone in on that? You know, obviously the lyrics have to matter to you too. I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to say something. So how those match up, how those elements come together and how they overlap? I, everybody approaches it differently, but the sound, I mean, you could say like, oh, just throw up a mic and, you know, let's just track it. But that is a decision on its own. Like when you listen to like Bob Dylan or something, especially those early records where it's like, just throw up, throw up the mic, let's do it in one take. Like, you know, and also back in the day when studio time was extremely expensive and maybe it's worse now because studio time is still expensive and there's no money in the industry. So maybe it's worse now, because at least back in the day, they had big budgets for artists. But, you know, there's like all sorts of reasons of why people make certain decisions. And it's like that Bob Dylan stuff sounds so mercurial because it's just probably one mic and a room sound. But that is also kind of the character that they were going for. So these are all thoughtful decisions. You know, just like when you put on a top 40 pop song it's going to sound like very machine like very clinical because that's what translates you know to radio and that world that kind of like radio world you're going to look at the audio file and you're going to see like one giant rectangle with like there's no uh, dynamics to it whatsoever yeah that i that's like something i really am trying to be aware of what did they call it is like the loudness wars yeah Everything has just gotten louder and louder in music over the, like, the last couple decades, few decades. I mean, I like that. There's a time and place for everything. But if it's all that way, it's kind of like when athletes start taking steroids. It's like if one person does it, then they become the best, and then everybody ends up taking it. Everybody's trying to keep up. Yeah. Caroline Rose is our guest today. This is 8-Track. I'm Russ Boris. We move to another two-song set with a British DJ who goes by Floating Points. Can you tell me a little bit about this song, Falez? I just loved it. I loved it so much. I've been, obviously this past year has been really difficult. Uh, and I have kind of been healing from a lot of painful things. And I think I, a lot of that, I've been doing that sort of subconsciously through really beautiful sounding music. And I've been listening to a lot of just like orchestrated pieces. He had done the orchestration and recorded this beautiful orchestration. I think it's like a five-piece string arrangement. But then he took the recording and sent it through a Euro rack of modular synth gear. And there's a box that kind of creates a stutter effect, probably some sort of like gate that takes the audio and just chops it up. But I thought this was so beautifully done and it really kind of got my mind churning of like, wow, that would be such an interesting experiment to write some beautiful piece of music and then 
process it through whatever gear you have lying around. The music that I'm working on now, it doesn't sound like that, but I love the idea of it, and I thought that that was really clever, and I was very moved by this song. This is a track from WFUV. song that we most associate with Nat King Cole, Nature Boy, and the artist who wrote that, Eden Abez. Do you know the story of how Nat King Cole got that song? Not very well. Could you uh, could you tell me? Okay, so I've always just loved that song. And then I found out the story behind it. I was like, this is crazy. So this guy, Eden Abez, he uh, was just like a white guy. I don't even know where he was from, the Midwest or something. His name was like George something. But he completely reinvented himself. This was back in the 40s. He was like a hippie before hippies existed. He like grew all his own food, ate a raw diet, and for a time was living under one of the letters of the Hollywood sign. And I don't even understand how he composed music and recorded it, but he had all this music, beautiful music, and he was trying to get it to Nat King Cole. He heard him perform and he was like, I think you're going to enjoy this song, but he couldn't get it to him so he gave it to his like Nat King Cole's driver and then it eventually made it back to Nat King Cole and eventually he did hear it and loved the song but they couldn't find him because he was like completely off the grid so it took them a long time to track it down because Nat King Cole was like I want to record this song it's a great song but he couldn't record it until they finally tracked down this guy Eden Abes. It's almost like it, it's, it can't even be true. It's so, you know, crazy. I know. I was reading his Wikipedia page. And I was like, you can't write this stuff. It's too good. You mentioned the influence of strings and orchestration. I mean, that is pretty foreground there. And you kind of gloss over just the absolute beauty of that, except you could just think of Nat King Cole. But man, that is, that's really special. Caroline Rose is our guest today. You mentioned the, you know, different songs and different styles and beats and textures and all these things that are going into what you're doing now. So maybe tell us a little bit more about what what are you working on? Like, what does it sound like to you? I mean, just the musical elements coming together. Do you have words? Like, how, how's the process going? Um, so I actually started kind of from a place of complete desperation because uh, I was just really in a bad place. At the beginning of the pandemic, it was just really hard. And I didn't want to touch a computer. I like didn't want to go anywhere near any gear. I didn't want to do anything. And all I wanted to do was just play in one instrument and write very basic songs. And I was practicing like a bunch of different finger picking techniques on the guitar and playing piano when I would go visit my parents and stuff. And it was so therapeutic because that's how I originally started making music when I was way younger. It was from a place of complete desperation of 
being so depressed and not knowing where I fit in in the world and trying to figure out my own identity and like these big hard-hitting issues and music was like a big form of therapy for me and it became that again so the songs kind of have a there's like a desperation to them but all of these different textures and the things that I listen to that I'm inspired by are sort of there to support the song but I you know I think like you should be able to play a great song solo and have it be a compelling performance. If you have a solid foundation with a good song, the rest is almost easy and it's just fun. With my last album, I had like a whole production in my head. Like I had all of the parts and that's what I wanted to do and that's what moved me. But now it's like the opposite of that. I want it to sound full with barely anything in there but you will hear uh, kind of all of these references in there in like the way that I track stuff. Uh, you'll, you'll definitely hear, <laughs> but it's not like I'm trying to copy this stuff. It's more of, you know, when you get into a place of creativity, you want, you want as much inspiration as possible. It's like being a chef and doing an interesting take on a traditional dish or something, or taking like all these bits and pieces from these traditional dishes and then making something new with it, it ends up being original because you're the one that's making it and you're gonna have your style. And I think that's the same thing with songwriting is like, I'm always gonna have my style the way that I write. And you'll always be able to know that, like, that's me because that's what I sound like. That's my personality and my history and my DNA in there. But inspiration is where, like, the production technique comes from. And like you said, like, what do the textures sound like? And is there space here? Is it more um, kind of, like, intimate? These are all things that you'll hear in my next album for sure. All right, this is really exciting and definitely, you know, getting everybody interested in seeing where this is going to go. So we'll, we'll take you to some more influences in where you are right now. And this next one is the Bulgarian State Television Female Choir with Palenci P. I feel like it's got one of those kind of cult following sort of things. Like it's a like vinyl collector's dream to get that record. A friend of mine, he used to work at Tower Records back in the day. And he said that they re had reissued that album back in the 90s because someone had like discovered this choir and was like, this is amazing. I, I'm pretty sure it was somebody from Rough Trade and Rough Trade reissued it. That would make sense. Yeah, I could be wrong about that, but I think it was Rough Trade. So it sort of reintroduced it to a whole new generation of music lovers. And I heard it and I was like, oh, I'm sold. You actually recognize it from a song from the 90s. It was sampled in like a really famous song. But I love it for the harmonies. I don't know if this is like a Bulgarian thing. I'm not really sure. I just never heard anything like that. And I, I love dissonant harmonies. I just did uh, some vocal tracking for 
an Austin band here and they were like just do whatever you want and so I did like all these weird harmonies and they were like yeah okay, could you just do like let like more normal <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like no this is cool though it like builds tension they're like yeah we just want you to just sing the song they're not looking for tension oh I love that Vocals is actually, shockingly, that is the one thing that I'm trained in musically. Like I was trained as a kid in some different stuff, but like a vocalist was what I took the most seriously. And I love kind of doing different stuff with my voice. It's so fun. You can like kind of be a different character or you can be a different character within yourself. And I think that is just so cool. And Susan Dehim She's a real brilliant artist. When I had been listening to the Bulgarian Women's Choir, it reminded me of something that I was really moved by when I saw um, Shireen Nishat. She's a Persian filmmaker and visual artist. She made this film called Turbulent, and Susan Dehim did the music for it. And it was so moving it's shocking when you see it with the visual i think it's shocking on its own like what she does with her voice is incredible but the history behind it is even more incredible because you know women were really silenced in iran when the ayatollah was in power i gotta brush up on my history but you know it was like decades of oppression and women didn't have a voice anymore you can hear the pain in her voice like what she does with it the trills and it sounds dysmorphic the way that I hear it it sounds like the way that muscles tense up and not and the body kind of tenses up and knots, like movie Suspiria or something. And I hear that, and I'm like, she's doing that with her voice. And it's so wild to me. It's desperate. Yeah, there's definitely no relaxation in that whatsoever. Yeah, so you can tell, I mean, I just told you, like, I, you know, I wrote all these songs coming from a very desperate place. You can see why I'm gravitating towards stuff that has this sort of desperate sound to it. I just can't get enough of it. This is 8-Track. Caroline Rose is our guest today. And Susan Dehim right there, an Iranian singer with a song called Turbulent. There's another one to take us out, though, the eighth song on 8-Track. Juan Atkins and Moritz von Oswald. Can you tell us about Light Years and what's the appeal for that? Yeah, so the inspiration behind this, um, Juan Atkins was one of the really early pioneers of Detroit techno. And over the course of the pandemic, I've gotten really into just there's been so much time to sit with yourself and your own mind. And I've gotten really good at just sitting with myself and it's made me so much more patient. And now when I listen to meditative kind of music, like really repetitive beats, I find so much enjoyment 
in it because I'm not like rushing to get anywhere. I'm not like, hit me with the chorus. Patience has really changed the way that I listen to music. Now when I hear techno, it's like I now get it. I all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I get it. And I've gone into a deep dive of techno and Berlin techno is a whole different kind of style. And then there's all the origins in like crap rock and craft work kind of stuff. Um, but I really like the Detroit techno stuff because it has such a cool history on its own. Just like all these nerdy black guys like making this music. I love it. I love it. I just think it's so cool the way they're all just like book nerds and movie nerds and like get together and like make these like repetitive beats. But you listen to this stuff and when you just let it kind of wash over you, it's so relaxing. You know, it reminds me, I have like a little motorcycle that I ride around and a buddy of mine, he, he and I like work on motorcycles together. And he's always like, yeah, you gotta listen to techno when you ride, cause it, it'll take you into like a different world. You just sort of um, go into like a tunnel vortex of meditation, it's really cool. Light Years from Juan Atkins and Moritz von Oswald. Picked by 8-track guest DJ Caroline Rose. Thanks again to Caroline for joining me and for the theme music. And be sure to check out next week's episode with St. Vincent. 8-track is engineered by Jim O'Hara and produced by Sarah Wardrop. Subscribe, listen, and learn more at 8trackpod.com. I'm Russ Boris for WFUV in New York. <laughs>